listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. It's from Exodus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So we made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pa. Pi Haharath in front of Belzephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry land. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, and waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The word of the Lord. This is like one of the great, great stories of the Bible. You know, this, is, this story evokes so much emotions uh, within a believer, and perhaps unbelievers as well when they read it. It certainly brings up a lot of questions uh, for us. Um, there's so much to ask, and not all the questions get answered in this story. But it is, it, it is just absolutely amazing to see the hand of God at work. And, and this chapter I chose to have read before you today is, is just, it, it's sort of like it's the, it's the climactic moments of this story. But there is so much that starts so far back. Uh, it, it, it reaches way, way, way back. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, there, there's nuances in this story that we, we don't even have any time to bring out today. I mean, you can't just talk about this story uh, in, in one Sunday morning service and get even, even a, a, a small part of it. So we're not even going to try to do that today, but we are going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, and hopefully it's going to inspire you. We are in Lent. We are looking to Easter Sunday. All of this is preparation for us to go into Easter week. Um, and so if there's one Old Testament passage that the New Testament just sort of, uh, not only just, it doesn't just invite us, guys, it, it, it calls to us, it, it shouts out to us, read this, this is the Christ-centered paradigm, this is, this is the message right here uh, about the salvation, uh, this is, it's all here in this exodus, and it's in so many different aspects, and so we want to, we want to talk about that just a little bit this morning, um, and then Nathan and Christina will come back and they will, will teach uh, on the Mosaic Covenant as well. So I just want you to start thinking about this and let it sort of sit in you. I want you to get this idea here that, that again, the, whole, the Bible is a whole story and all of the story points to Jesus uh, towards him from the Old Testament stand or it points back to him as we read out the epistles and, and the book of Revelation and so forth. So we're going to see Jesus here today in this particular passage, in this story, I think. All right. Uh, I mean, think about it. Think what an Israelite would... Um, would say if you were if you were thrown back you know to to shortly after this time or in the new testament and 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 you spoke to an israelite and, and you asked them who they are you know what 
what kind of message would they give you? What would be their identity? Uh, what would be their history? What would be their storyline, if you will? Or we always talk around here about storylines, about your story, and how your story plays into the bigger story, which is the story of the rescue, which is Jesus rescuing us from sin. So the, the storylines are big to us in Life Church, and we love to talk about the storylines. But what would an Israelite say if you began to talk to them and you began to ask them about their story? And uh, what, you know, what are you all about? You know, what, what, what's up with you? Uh, and then they would start talking to you, and they would, they would say things like, well, um, I was on my way, you know, I, I was, I was in, in a journey. Uh, and if you said, well, who, who are you? They would say something like this probably. They would say, well, I, I, I was in a foreign land. I, I was out there somewhere. I was under the sentence of death and, and bondage. We were in slavery. We were encumbered, all right? Um, but I took shelter under the blood of the Lamb. You know, and that's in, in, so beautifully put in the story, okay? Uh, a mediator, that would be Moses, led us out and we crossed over, all right? Now we're on our way to this promised land, all right? We're not there yet, uh, but we're, we're on our way, okay? And, and he's given us his law uh, to make us a community. He's given us a tabernacle because we need to live by, by his grace and under his forgiveness. He's our, he, he, he's, he's our presence in our midst. He's, he's going to be with us to the very end. Doesn't that all sound really familiar? That's not just Old Testament stuff. But that's the story of us. That's the story of our life that is in Christ, all right, that we have in Him. And that's exactly what you and I should be saying as as Christians, all right. Um, And so what are we going to learn today in these few minutes from this Red Sea crossing about Jesus and about our salvation? I hope I can get you to see about three things here today as I talk to you a little bit. And and like I said, I'm just using chapter 14 as a springboard here because I I believe it's sort of the, the climax of all of this stuff. But here's what I want you to learn about salvation today because I think that's, that's where I want to take you. I want to take you in, into a, a greater appreciation for your salvation. I want, you to, I want you to enjoy and celebrate what Jesus has done for you. I want Easter to be phenomenally impacting for, for you and I want you to be able to have fun with it and enjoy it and celebrate it uh, uh, in, in, in a beautiful kind of way, okay? So what I want you to learn today is I want you to learn something about what you're getting out of just as Israel got out of Egypt. You have gotten out, all right? And obviously what you have gotten out is the bondage to sin. And I want you to understand how you're getting out of that sin, how you're getting out of that bondage, and that's by crossing over into the the sphere of grace, if you will, living in grace. And maybe we can just talk about that for a little bit this morning. And then I want you to understand why you can do that, why you can actually get out and why you can cross over. And that's because you have a mediator. You have one that stands between you and God and mediates for you. And that's how the story of the Exodus connects us with, I think, the rest of the Bible. We, we, we would not make these connections without, obviously, the rest of the Bible. But these connections are clear when we look into uh, this sort of sweeping storyline of Scripture here. And so let's, let's just talk about that a little bit, all right? Um, so first of all, let's say this. Salvation, folks is about getting out of bondage. 
That's what it is about. It is about you leaving a place of bondage. uh, That's what the word redemption really means, all right? So when when the king of Egypt here uh, was told that the people had fled, all right, so they've gone now, as we saw in the story, Pharaoh and his officials, it appears, changed their mind about Israel all of a sudden. They just completely shifted here, and and they actually questioned themselves, you know, and they're saying, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go, and, and what they're basically saying is, we've lost their services. That's in Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. We've lost their services. We've lost what they do for us. That's kind of a nice way of putting it, you know. Why didn't the Egyptians just simply go out and hire someone else? No, they lost their entire slave labor force. All right? The whole uh, entity of Israel was their slave labor force. And so they have lost that here, all right? Because the Israelites were slaves. They were enslaved. They were in bondage. And Pharaoh says, we're going we're to go and get them. Uh, we, we let them go, but we're going to change our minds here. We're going to go and get them. We're going to bring them back. He's so adamant about it that it's like, get them back or kill them. Get them back. Destroy they're going to live in some type of bondage or they're going to be destroyed. Let me say this to you. The, the old slave masters who had released the Israelites here, uh, they're now in their chariots and they're now trying to chase down these Israelites. And when the Israelites see them, when they see them actually coming after them, all right, they cry out to God. And we get the heart of Israel here in this a little bit too. And, and they're saying, hey... Moses, what are you doing? Was there, were there no graves in Egypt so you had to bring us out into the desert to die out here? I mean, they're looking at this as though this is it. We, we are under this, this, this uh, edict of destruction here. We're going to die here. So he said, what, what have you done to bring us out of Egypt? We said to you in Egypt. That's what the Israelites said. We said to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. And this is what they say then. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow. The Israelites are, are, are they claim that when, when, when Moses had said, you know, let's go, uh, they, they, they did reply to that, you know. Uh, but, but what they're saying now is, you know what, it, maybe it wasn't so bad here. Maybe we like it here. Maybe we, maybe we want to be in this place. But, but that's not what was really in their heart. I don't believe. I don't believe that was there. Moses and, and Aaron brought together the elders of the Israelites here. And Aaron told them everything that the Lord had said to Moses. He, he performed signs before the people and they believed. So there was these miracles that was going on. And when they heard that the Lord, the Lord God was concerned about them and he had seen their misery. It says in Exodus chapter 4 that they bowed down and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. So here's the people who are almost like talking out of both sides of their mouth here. They're talking about worshiping God and following God and being faithful to God. And yet at the same time, they're saying, Moses, what have you done? You've taken us out here only to destroy us. We'd been better off to have stayed in that place. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They went so far as to say, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, 
There's no more basic word in the Bible, hear me, than redemption. The Greek word for redemption really means to loose. Redemption means getting free, all right? Being released from bondage. And so the very heart of our understanding today has to be what salvation is all about in that it is a release from bondage. We are like the Israelites. And we have a tendency to talk out of both sides of our mouths at times. And we have a tendency to live in that place of bondage. We have a tendency to live in that place. And you may just be bound to the familiar. You may not have a drug problem or a porn problem or uh, any other, an anger problem or an eating problem or whatever. You just may be bound by familiarity. You, you may just be bound by what is around you and, and what you are, have grown to be comfortable with. And you don't see it holding you back. You don't see it holding you down, if you will. And so you want to just stay right there. And, and the very heart of our understanding of salvation is that it is this release. It's this setting free. It's this allowing us to have this ability to walk in freedom. Even if you're not walking in it yet, you have the ability to walk in it. You have the ability to move it. And, and so the Israelites are really a picture of us. They were in bondage, but this bondage had uh, like layers to it. it. It was complicated, if you will. And so, so God is at work to bring Israel out of bondage, all right? Even though they were a slave to their masters, not only were the, the Israelites... Uh, Freed from this bondage, this, these slave masters, if you will, here. Uh, and, and even though in their heart they, they, un, they felt this freedom, there's a part of them that is thinking now, well, I don't want to die, so I, 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 maybe it was better to be there. Maybe it, was, it would be good to go back there or something. So what they're doing is, even though they are free, they're operating as slaves. They are free. God has freed them already. He set it all up. But they are still thinking as slaves. And so I want us to begin to understand that we, we like the Israelites, were in bondage to the law, but we are now free from it. All right, we were, we, were, we were bound to the law. We were under guilt. We were under condemnation. The law does that. It, 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 it will bring guilt. It will bring condemnation to us. But we're, we sinned. We are sinners and we have sinned. We don't love God with our whole being. And we don't love our neighbors as ourselves the way that, that we need to. We're under God's wrath. Um, we, we're, we're right there with everyone else. We're under this bondage of this, this law that brought condemnation. But through Jesus, we got out. We were able to walk away from this, if you will. All right? And you didn't have to do anything for that. It was done for you. All right? We, Romans 8.1 says, Sin shall no longer be your master. All right? Because you are not under the law. But you're under grace. And this is what we want you to see, all right? 
This is, this is your freedom. Your freedom is found right here under this grace. But as Christians, oftentimes, we default back into other things. Like works, for instance. You know, we, we, we well, if, if I just do something, if I just... It would be better if I was working and doing something and, and, and I, could, I could feel like I'm, I'm getting somewhere. The whole book of Galatians, folks, is about people who, uh, for, from what we can tell, they, they were freed from guilt. In other words, they, they seemed to really believe, have believed in Jesus, but they were going back into this form of works, which is, is, is this works righteousness, if you will. Why? Why would they do that? Um, this is probably speculation on, on my part. Um, but I think that deep down inside of, of us, um, it's because we have a, a bad view of God. We have a, a poor image of God, and we have a poor image of ourselves. See, everyone needs to know that they're okay. Everyone needs to somehow know and, 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 and sense and realize um, that, that they are, are uh, fixed, that they're taken care of. Um, sometimes they go so far as to want to be perfect, you know, and, and that's what we're looking for oftentimes is we're looking for this personal perfection, if you will. Uh, we, we know that we should have been perfect. We were created in the image of God. And so we, we, we wrestle with this, you know. Uh, and so this whole perfection kind of thing gets in the way sometimes. And, and it's very difficult for us just to say, oh, oh, I don't have to do anything. I, I don't have to perform. I, I, I don't have to get it all right. You mean I'm loved in, even though I'm not perfect? And so you, 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 get, you start to feel this freedom even though there may be messages telling you, no, you're not perfect. You don't deserve it. You can't have it. It's not yours. What, those, those kinds of negative thoughts and, 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 and uh, deceptions, you know, they just come in. They just keep coming in. But Jesus died for you. Jesus is the mediator who has come between you and the Father, and He has died for you. All right? He, is, he has done what is necessary to be done. You can't do it. All right? And, and so, so you don't need to be perfect. You don't, you don't need to have it all right. You need to understand who God is and who you are in Christ. And that's your freedom. That's your, that's your doorway out, if you will. You are Free in Jesus, all right? Um, sometimes parenting things can go on that mess us up, you know? Um, and and they, they affect sort of like that sort of basic intuition we have about, about ourselves and, and, and about God. And sometimes parents, when we're, when we're, when we're little and they're, they're parenting us and they, they don't know how uh, to parent very well, they can be quite uh, even cruel, they, they can even be abusive sometimes. I'm not saying that all of you have abusive parents. I'm just saying it could go that far. Uh, but, but what happens oftentimes is that kids grow up um, needing sort of to prove themselves. And that would be like one side of the coin. Another side of the coin is kids can also grow up hating themselves just because of things that have been done through, through parenting. You know, um, some bad parenting... Uh, is, is really sort of like self-esteemism, you know, as parents are telling their children over and over again, you can do anything you want. You can, you can, you can make it. You can go anywhere you want. You can have whatever you want. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a, a little short, skinny guy, folks, you can't be uh, a, a defensive end in the NFL. 
It's not going to happen. Don't tell your child that you can do that, that they, that they can do that, because they can't do that. They can't do that. You're endangering them if you tell them to do that, okay? All right? But, but, but there, there are people out there, and, and, and they're, they're at the other, other end of things, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm struggling with perfectionism, and, and someone else over here is struggling with entitlement, and someone else is over here, and they're just, they're just mad, is just angry, you know. There's someone else over here, and, and, and they, they're, they're, they're debased, and they're down. They don't feel like there's anything for them, and they're, they're the, the dust of the earth. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that all of us have places that if we're not careful, we can go into, and they can become serious bondage for us. And we're looking for ways out. We're looking for, for something to get us out, which might be more bondage. And so we do. We, we, like the Israelites, have these layers, if you will, of bondage uh, that, that are, that are uh, fighting against us. All right? And, and I don't think you can erase all of, of what has, has gone on in your history and in your life. But there's something down in there that says, well, yeah, but I should be better. I, I should be good. I, I should be okay. Well, you are, but it's not in your works. It's not in what you can do. It is in Christ alone. The Israelites could not save themselves. They could not get out of this magnitude of bondage that they had found themselves in. And they needed help. They needed someone who could come in and who could help them out, who could, who could make the way out for them, all right? I'll tell you something, folks. You're... You're in bondage just to your sin nature. You, you fight that. I fight that. But the scripture here says that, that sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under this law. You're under grace. And then he, it, the writer goes on. Then he says, well, what then? Shall, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And he goes, no, that's not, that's not the way you do this thing. You don't just get to keep sinning because you're not under the law. Now, it's not a license, all right? It's very possible for you to live free and yet stay in bondage. Because you don't live as who you are, but you live as who you think you are. And I want to challenge you and I today that we understand that the the deliverance of God is a complete work. The salvation of God is a complete work. And here's here's the beauty of this story is is, and, and, and there's sort of this glimpse given in it. I don't know if you caught it, but it was like, you will not see these Egyptians again. In other words, what he's saying is, you will not be able to stand on the other side of the river and look back over and see them. I'm going to take care of the slave masters. We're going we're gonna to get, get you so on the other side of this thing that you don't even, you don't, you, you, you're not even aware now of the masters because I've eradicated them. 
And I think that's a powerful message for us as, as Christians because we, we have a tendency to excuse our sinfulness. We have a tendency to find ways of explaining it off. We, we, have, we have seemingly ways to get around it. Are we, are we excuse it because we only go to part of these passages and we say, well, I'm not under the law, hallelujah. <laughs> love, love all that Christianese you talk, you know. Not under it. No, you're not. You're not. Then my question, though, is, and I'm in agreement with you. I agree with you. But my question is, then why do you continue to live as though you are under it? Why are you still allowing the law to have that kind of impact upon you when that is not what the Scriptures say about you, nor about the law? Here's what I want you to understand about sin. And and please understand, if I talk to you about sin, it's the kettle calling the pot black. All right? I am a sinner. Like the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, who wrote many of the epistles and gave you the standards for living life, godly life, righteous life, holy life, I am chief among sinners. So this is not a pious man up here pointing his finger at you and telling you what to do, especially not someone who's got all the answers and and become perfect and is doing it the right way. I'm in here with you. We're in this struggle together. And what I'm saying to you is, is that we need to have a good understanding here because sin contains an element of servitude. That, that in, in the very act of transgressing the law of God, there's a, there's a reflex action of the human will uh, that, that, that is, a, is upon us, all right? And, and, and we become less able than before to even keep the law. This is is one of the damning effects of it. Sin, in essence, guys, has this sort of suicidal action on the human will. What do you mean? I mean that it destroys our power and ability to do right. And that is our freedom. The ability to do right. The ability to choose to obey God. The ability to do what God asks of us to do. And and the confidence to do it. Sin is this sort of slow and sure and eternal suicide of the human will. Well, if you know that, Bill, why why do you keep sinning? Because I'm just like you. And you're just like me. And we don't. We don't carry this really uh, true picture and image of ourselves before God. We're still under the law. We put ourselves under the law. In other words, when you commit a sin, you make it much easier every time to do it again and much harder to avoid and resist it the next time. And every time you sin, you're destroying your ability to resist that particular sin every single time. So then we begin to see how that sin is, is sort of this action because it's, it's an act of the will. Someone else's sin may affect me, but my sin is my choice. It's what I choose to do. And if I'm choosing to do something that I'm continually lessening my ability to be preventive about, I'm destroying myself. Do you understand that? 
there's there's a a self-destruction that goes on as I continue to sin. Even after you receive Christ and and Christ accepts you and and, and removes your guilt and and, and you have this, this, this tremendous sense of freedom, the slave masters are going to say, oh, I didn't want to do that. I want him back. And they will pursue you. Those same entities, those same spirits, those same habits, those same activities, those same relationships, they will scream. And they will pursue you. They will come after you because they want you back. And if you don't see God right, you will succumb. You'll go right back into old stuff and old habit patterns and old ways of thinking and relating and reacting. Your choices will go right back to where they were before. Israel didn't understand. They didn't understand that God was their freedom. They were told that God would free them. Moses and Aaron did miracles. They saw big things. Good heavens, they saw big things. And when they're put right up against the sea and they see the old slave masters coming after them, Moses, what are you doing? Why did you do this to us? We'd have been better off back there. Oh, no. No. Crossing over. See, here's the thing about God. God knows exactly what you need and has provided what is needful to you. And now he is wanting to take you over to live in that identity that is in him alone. And not in yourself, and not in the world, but in Him alone. It is in Christ. And and I would like to challenge you and I that that we live in that place, all right? Your success in your life is going going to, to hinge around your ability to see yourself accurately as you need to be, all right? And so I, I want to challenge you and I. There, there, and, and, and please understand, there's a process here, okay? This is, this is a process that we work through as God's people. And, and there, there's, you learn that in systematic theology. You know, you, you get justified, all right? We're free from the penalty of sin. So we're, we're justified. Jesus justifies us. And then there's this progressive sanctification, which is in the present time, all right? We're getting free from the power of sin, if you will. And then there's obviously glorification, which is future, all right? When we will be pre- free from the presence of sin. And so we're living in this world and we're fighting this battle now which is this place where we are constantly becoming freed up from the power of sin in our lives. You know, Paul says, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, that's the very thing I do. My, my, My righteousness is like filthy rags. Our hearts are wicked. We don't even know them. What do we know then? 
What, what do we hold on to? What is the anchor for us? It is Jesus. It is the work of the cross. When, when you come in and you sit down and talk to me, those of you who have, on whatever level, when you start talking about your failures and you start talking about uh, your problems and you start talking about uh, these habits that you've not gotten victory over yet and those kinds of things, what do I usually do? I usually very quickly get your eyes on the cross. And, and I try to help you to see yourself from that grid where you're seeing yourself through the work of the cross, through what has been done for you already. And I, I want you to see and understand that the Israelites were saved before the river. The blood was painted on the doorpost. The angel of death came through. And the Israelite sons were spared. Salvation was already at work. Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. The work has been done. Jesus himself said, It's finished. It's done. It's complete. I don't want you living out there managing your crisis moments, your sin times in this life. But I want you to find freedom, the ability to rise above sin and, 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 and to be able to say no to sin. All right? The Exodus story is this wonderful model. It's the picture of where we are. It's redemption. It's about getting out of bondage, all right? But we yet find our hearts not free, not free yet. So salvation is about getting out, all right? It's about, about getting out of bondage. But it's also about this, this thing of crossing over. All right, it's not just about what God has done in the moment and, 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 and just, just rejoicing in that and then going back to living in, in this bondage, but it's living crossed over. The Red Sea story is not just about, about what the Israelites get out of, but it's also about how they get out of that place. And I think that that's very, very important. Um, just give me just a few more minutes here. Um, Here's, here's how Moses replied to, the, to the, these people, these fearful, complaining Israelites. Moses answered the people. He said this. He said, he said, don't be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You'll see the deliverance he'll bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. That's the next, next thing. All right. He said, you won't ever see them again. All right. Not only that, but he will fight for you, all right? Uh, you need only to be still. You need only to be still. It's a wonderful passage that says, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes we busy ourselves in our own strength, don't we? We, we are working so hard ourselves to try to take care of things and fix things in our lives, especially sin issues and sin struggles. I, I just got to do this. If I can do this, I won't have this problem anymore. If I can get there, I won't have this problem anymore. I can't do anything, God, for you until I get to this point. 
But when I get there, then I can do everything for you. It'll be great. There's always this place of interim. There's this place that we're in, this, this kind of odd place of limbo, if you will. And we're never getting anywhere. It's because we're never understanding who we are in Christ and moving forward in that place. Understanding that we don't have to do what needs to be done. It's already been done. And because it's been done, the one who has done it will fight for us. And he doesn't just fight for you. He fights for what he has done. That's what I want you to understand. It, I love you. You're valuable. I won't give you a sense of entitlement. Because you were entitled to death. That's what you were entitled to. If you want to know the honest truth. Everyone was entitled to death. But Jesus has died for your sins. And now you have the gift of eternal life. But God is not going to fight for you just for you. He's going to fight for you for what he has done on the cross of Calvary. He fought for every Israelite because they are valuable. But he fought more for who he is as a deliverer. Stand and see God. Be still and see what God will do. And I want you to stand still. I want, I, I, I want God's going forward for you to be his fighting for you. I want you to watch and see what God can do, all right? Because on the, on the other side of the Red Sea, the Israelites, were, they, were, they were in reach, you know, of, of, of promise now. It's like, oh, now I, I, can, I can reach out almost and kind of touch it, you know. The promise, I have this promise. I'm, I'm, now I can hold on to this promise. But I want to tell you something. I want you to understand this. The Israelites, and this is, this is where the devil gets you, the enemy gets you a lot of times. The Israelites couldn't see it because of, what, of seeing the slave masters and seeing the pursuit and going in a different direction thinking than what they should have about God because they didn't understand God. But the reality is that promise was just as in reach on that side of the river as it was on the other side. Not because of them, but because of God. And so, so in this place of struggle in your life, uh, it, 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 it can be clear. It can clear up. And you can begin to see that this God will fight for you. He, he will work on your behalf. And so I, I want to challenge you and I today as we think about what the Hitchcocks are going to share with us about the Mosaic Covenant and, and, and all of that, that, that we begin to see that, that, that what makes one a Christian is a change of status, all right? You, you were in that kingdom, but you're now in this kingdom, the kingdom of God. You were out of the family of God, and now you're in the family of God. You were not born again, now you are born again. You were under God's wrath, but now you are justified through Christ Jesus. Bang! Happens. There it is, all right? And this is the power that you and I have, all right? And it is is a a brokenness of self-righteousness so that the righteousness of God can, can come through, all right? And so our stuff needs to be put to, to death, if you will. Let me, let me try to wrap it up here with, a, with an illustration, maybe. Um, and then we'll be done today. 
How many of you know what the Emancipation Proclamation is? It's a a big deal, all right? And it it was given um, many, many years ago during slavery in America. Horrible, horrible time in the history of America. And you can't can't say enough about that, all right? But there, there, if if you were a black person prior to the Emancipation Proclamation. If you, if you walked on the streets in a community, you, you were a slave regardless. You weren't just a slave because a slave owner owned you, as, as horrific as that would be. But you were, just a, you were a slave. And, and any person who was a white person could talk down to you, could talk bad to you, could tell you things to do, could abuse you in some way, even though you were someone else's property. So in all honesty, slaves were, were lower than a man's tangible uh, possessions. Because if a man owned a hat, a nice hat, you didn't go and do anything to his hat. But if his slave was on the street... You could treat his slave bad. You understanding what I'm saying? It's horrible. The Emancipation Proclamation was to free slaves. Great thing. Great thing. But if a slave who knew in their mind they were free, walked the streets the following days after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed into law. That slave still felt, still felt the fear, the grip of who they had been. Not who they are, but who they had been. Now they're free. But in some circles, they could not experience that freedom yet. Because there were still slave masters abounding. And, and, and some writers have written of slaves who even many months later did not know they were free because they had not been told. And so they were still living as slaves even though they had been set free. I want you to understand, you need to understand your freedom. When slaves understood their freedom, they were able to live in that freedom. Not without struggles, not without challenges, not without difficulty. But whom the Son sets free is free indeed, period. And so I want you to understand that you have a level of freedom that is yours. Even if you've not known it before today, even if if just suddenly today it's it's registering, it's hitting you today that, oh my goodness, I, I haven't had to live the way I've been living because I actually am free. 
And see, when we start to, to see God that way, it's not, oh, I've got to change and I've got to do these works so that God will love me. It's, oh my goodness, God loves me, therefore I should change. And it's a, it, it, it becomes, it, it's fueled as a desire in our hearts to make different choices and live differently than we did before. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. It's that simple. So I want to challenge you and, and I that we, we not live in a place of deception. We, we not live in a place of, 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 of an old way that, that we've been brought out of already, but we keep going back there. The Israelites would have gone back. Doggone it. They would have gone back. If Moses would have said, you know what, let me go and mediate again. Let me mediate a different proposal and get us back in there. I think I can get us back. And they'll, they'll take us back and we can go right back into slavery. They would have done it. They would have done it. Because they didn't understand who God was. I don't think. So I want to challenge you today that you begin to understand what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And you begin to live out of who you are. You're free. You've been emancipated from sin. And you can live in the place of that freedom in God. Are you going to make mistakes? Are you going to do things wrong? Are you going to make bad choices and all that kind of stuff? Well, yeah. I'm not giving you permission. I'm just saying you're going to do it because you're human. But there is a way to live as one who is free and not under law and able to, 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 to grow out of this place and continually being sanctified. Your salvation is continually being worked out along the way. And then we grace each other and we help each other and we encourage each other and we challenge each other and we discipline each other. We do all these things together as, as the body. I was in a church service down south. I'll close with this. I was in a church service down south once. And this little lady, she was little in that she wasn't very tall. But she wasn't little in other ways. Okay, so there was a lot to this lady. But she was quite short. And, and she got it, you know, in this, this message, this sermon, this, this little pastor was preaching. She got it. And, and she, she got up out of her seat and she started to do this strange thing. I won't, I, 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 I won't really try to do it. I'll just give you a little idea of what it was, you know. But she started to walk and, and she's, she's walking and as she walks, she starts to move her shoulders around like some of you might if you had a little swagger going on and you wanted to intimidate someone. But the more she moved, the more she got it. And after a few minutes, she's doing this like, mm, yeah. And she's got this big smile on her face. And finally, you know, everyone's looking at her. And people are praying. And, and finally, the, the pastor of the church, he says, he says, hey, can you just tell me what's going on? What, what's, what's going on in there? And she said, I just feel like I just bought a brand new pair of shoes. I'm, it's different. It's just different. And I feel like 
I got a good pair of shoes on, and they're looking good, and I'm feeling good, and I'm just, I'm just full of joy. All right? Some of you just need a new pair of shoes. The old shoes just don't fit anymore. We need a new way of looking and seeing Jesus. And so I want you to cross over. Let's get on the other side. And then let's look back if we need to. But let's just keep going. All right? Keep going. Working your salvation out with fear and trembling before God. That's, we're going to the cross. Easter Sunday, you're going to come in here with a new pair of shoes on. Great joy of what God has done in your life. Amen? Okay. And That's an amazing story. I love that. What I love about God is his desire to have a relationship with us. Morning by morning, he awakens us to a new understanding of his word. It's not like I get it today and I'll have it forever. All of us fall into that place where we forget what he has done. But morning by morning, day by day, moment by moment, he gives you the opportunity to say, I get it. I got that pair of shoes and I'm going to wear it. He, Jesus Christ, was born, lived a sinless life. He died so that we could seek that forgiveness. We could say, God, me too. Me too. I want that pair of shoes. I want to get it. And today, if you don't understand, or you just want someone to pray with you, I do understand, but I forgot. And now I remember. And I want someone to pray with me. In just a few minutes, the prayer team will come forward, and they'll pray with you. They'll, they'll ask again that God's blessing, his grace will come over you and you'll begin again anew to relate to this God who loves you and wants to have a time of relating with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to keep you in that place where you are safe with him. And so we just, I'll just pray for you and the prayer team will come up and um, you'll be dismissed after that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. Because you've awakened us again this morning to an understanding that you are here with us. You hear us. When the Israelites were afraid, you said, fear not. Fear not. Stand firm and only be silent. Let the power of the risen God, his grace renewed in your heart and your mind, walk with you today. We thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.